you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you open up to the book of Joel? Joel's where we'll find our text this morning. But as we're doing that, I just wanted to ask if we had uh, any men or women who had or are currently serving our country in uh, armed forces. We have anybody with us this morning? Why don't you guys stand up and let us give you a thank you for what you've done. We thank you for the service that you give that enables us to live in a country where we are still free, still free to study the Word of God and what the Word of God says. As we look at the book of Joel, it's it's interesting that, that the Lord would lead us to this place because in the nation of Israel at the time when the book of Joel was written, they had just come through a, a, a pretty great economic time. Things had been going super for them. The country was kind of grinding along. Things were going well. But do you know what happens when that occurs within a nation? Whenever a nation enters into a time of, of God's great blessing, we study the book of Judges, we discover that as the nation would enter into a time of blessing, they inevitably would come to the point where they would forget where the blessing came from. And they would begin to take their eyes off of the Lord. And the nation would begin to flounder. At the time of Joel, Joash was king. He, he was still very young. And, and uh, they were entering into a time of, of such intense, for them, ruin. Economically, particularly, but across the board within the nation, they're going to see in the time of, of Joel four Waves of locusts come through and eat everything. There's probably some of us here this morning whose lives have been affected by the locusts. Or maybe we don't see them and they don't fly into our lives like a swarm. But the damage that they leave behind is the same. We look into our lives and we see ruin, chaos. We wonder, what am I going to do? How am I going to solve this? What's, what's happening in my life? And I want to remind you this morning, when those times come, God's call to fall is that we might look up and remember where our help comes from. Remember the promise that Jesus gave. A promise that He read for us out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 1, when He said... He had come to give us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Well, he didn't say he'd take away those things that caused the ashes in our life and the heaviness, the burden. He just said he came to make it bearable. That if we would cast our cares on him, he would care for us. That he would be the strength we need to face the things we face. And when I look at Israel in the time of Joel and I look at our, our nation, we're very much in a similar state. At the time, many of the people in Israel would have said, Ah, you know, this is the nation we have built. 
Even as Nebuchadnezzar would stand overlooking Babylon and say, this is the great kingdom that I have made. Whether it's Nebuchadnezzar saying that or our president declaring, we are not a Christian nation, one nation under God, but that this is the mighty kingdom that America has built. As we take a look at what Joel has to say for us, in your mind's eye, I realize Joel's writing this to the nation of Israel and this was a message for them. But I think as we look at what Joel's saying, we'll see for us a very definite call to revival, to repentance, and to the promise that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He declares to us in verse 1, The word of the Lord came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. And he calls us in this. Listen, first thing. Hear this, you elders. Pay attention. Listen. Look at what's going on around you. Hear this. You elders, give ear all the inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days? Or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. He he calls for us to spread the word about the things that are occurring. Now, I can't speak for everyone, but in my life, the nation that I served in the United States Marine Corps has never looked like it looks today. Now, a lot of people have said that through the years. But... Our nation is very definitely in a place where we need to look to the Lord, even as we just spend this time in prayer, and call upon His name and allow the Lord God Almighty to do a work in our nation. And He's going to begin that work through our lives. Our nation changes one person at a time. You remember how the whole world was turned upside down or upside right, depending on how you look at it? By, by the 12 disciples going into the world that spent three years with Jesus Christ and just sharing what Jesus Christ had done in their life. And, and it was said, these are they who have turned the whole world upside down. It always begins in the lives of individuals. Hear, speak, share, teach our children. Look at verse 4. What the chewing locust left, the swarming locust is eaten. What the swarming locust left, the crawling locust is eaten. What the crawling locust left, the consuming locust is eaten. It's all gone. Each one of the words used there to describe the locust in the Hebrew describes a, another stage within its growth. And that there were, there were all four stages of a locust growth pattern taking place. And we know in history the swarms of locusts have been so thick and so dense that they blot out the sun. That they eat it all. They take everything. Everything is wiped out. And Joel is saying to the nation of Israel, look around you. Look at what is dissipating. Look what's disappearing. Look what's being taken away. It's, it's gone. The locusts are, are taking it all. And we can form committees to discuss the locusts. And we can get a bunch of fly swatters, try to swat the locusts. We could, you know, when I had my motorcycle, I ate a few locusts. <laughs> we can do all of those things. But there's a definite call that Joel has here. Here's what's going on. The nation is messed up. The locusts are destroying things. 
And then he says in verse 5, listen, Awake, you drunkards, and weep. He calls for the nation to wake up. Now I can look at Joel and I can say, Joel calling his nation to wake up is not that much different from the call that Paul made. In fact, if you turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we can take a look at a call that that Paul made. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5. He says, You are all sons of light, sons of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober. Put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. The call to the nation is, wake up, you drunkards. Listen, He's saying to the nation, things have been good for so long and we've enjoyed ease. And in our nation, folks, we have enjoyed such ease you can't even imagine. Even our poor. You take an opportunity and go on a mission trip down to Africa to Malawi. Come with me to the jungles of Peru. And we enter into a life that you can't even begin to imagine. You you look at how people live and you think, my goodness, even the, the poor in our country live better than this. Yet, you know what you don't hear? Complaining. They're not complaining. They're just living. Where we went down in the jungle, the pastors didn't even have a Bible. So down the river of the Amazon, they would each rip out a book. And they would pass that book around to the different villages. Their sole purpose to have an opportunity to teach God's Word to people. Because our hope is in Him. That's the answer. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, in our relationship with Him, in knowing Him in a greater and greater degree, drawing nigh unto Him, near to Him. But the call from Paul, even as the call from Joel, is it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. I'm reminded of Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. Scripture lays out for this, And do this knowing the time, that it is now high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Do you believe Jesus Christ is nearer to His return today than He was yesterday? Or the day before that? Or the day before that? Or the day before that? And so Paul would say, listen, it's time to wake up. It's time to say, listen, I believe what God's Word is laying out for us. I see the condition of the world around me, the things that are taking place on the right hand and on the left, and I believe. And God is calling us to wake up. The time of our salvation has drawn nigh. I love my country, but this place is not my home. I will spend my last breath defending my country, but this place is not my home. My home is with Jesus Christ. My home is with Him. And my King, He calls me to wake up. He calls me and says, Listen, you've not been appointed unto wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are to be about the work. 
What is the work? The work is not worrying about the locusts. The work is about focusing on our relationship with Jesus Christ. When the locusts come, it's a call for us to look up. In the book of Ruth, the Bible tells us that a family moved out of Bethlehem, the house of bread, because there was a famine in the land and they lived in Moab. The Bible says, Moab is my wash pot. They left the house of bread during a time of famine to live in the wash pot. That's what we do. We enter a time of famine. The locusts come and we run to the world for answers. But God's word calls us, look to me. Lift your eyes up to the heavens. Where does your help come from? My help comes from you, O Lord. Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Spirit. That's where my help comes from. And that's where we want to turn our eyes. But we need to wake up out of our sleep. Look what Joel says. He says, Awake, you drunkards. Wail, you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine. For it's been cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land. Strong and without number, his teeth are the teeth of a lion, for he has fangs like a fierce lion, and he has laid waste to my vine. He has ruined my fig tree. He has stripped it bare and thrown it away. Its branches are made white. The Lord is saying, listen, all this that has happened has happened to my stuff. For the world is his and the fullness thereof. Joel speaking of the nation of Israel and certainly the nation of Israel belongs to the Lord. God is not finished with the work that he's going to, that he's doing and will continue to do in the nation of Israel. But listen, the psalmist would declare that the earth is his and the fullness thereof. When the Lord took my Harley and it was the Lord who took it, not the van that hit me. The Lord took my Harley. It was his. It was mine on loan. And he says, listen, these things come and, and they're taking my vine, my fig tree, the fruit of the land, which I had always been the one who gave that to you. Those things that are being taken away, they're mine. Look to me. Put your eyes on me. And enable me to, to be the strength that you need to realize I am going to do a work in your life. But we got to look to Him. We need to wake up. We need to realize that my life is not about the accumulation of stuff. How many of us have accumulated a lot of stuff in our life? And how many of those things that we've accumulated or we watch rot in our own yards? That's only the ones who are willing to admit it. The stuff just goes. Stuff comes to go. The point is we want to have our eyes on Jesus Christ. And then listen, he calls them to listen. He calls them to awake. And then he calls them to lament, to mourn. In verse 8, lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. He calls them to despair and, and wail like a, like a virgin given to a man who's whose uh, her groom perished before they could be wed. 
that that would be our heart. I, I was challenged a few weeks ago at a pastor's conference by a man who shared, you know, when Jesus Christ was taken into to heaven, the, the disciples, I bet they missed him. They missed him. They, every time they looked around, they were looking for an opportunity. Oh, I wish Jesus was here. He said, do you feel that way? Do you go through your day thinking, oh, Lord, I miss you. I, I, I just wish I could be with you, that, that desire to be with the Lord. But we get complacent. I, I get complacent. Life is good. Things are moving along okay, you know, And I begin to just get comfortable in the relationship that I have. And and God says, listen, lament. Lament. It breaks my heart that that my president declares that we're not a a Christian nation. and, And that that shouldn't be that which governs us. Thomas Jefferson had the good sense to say that if we would reach a time when we were no longer founded our nation on the principles of the word of God that this government would fail. And I remember when, when President Obama was running for president, I remember watching a, a news clip on him saying, we cannot possibly be governed by the word of God. What part of the word of God would you want to be governed by? And he went to places in the Old Testament and began to, to recite the, the laws that were given to the nation of Israel, not following good homiletics or hermeneutics, pulling the word of God out of context and applying it to the nation saying these are ridiculous rules. Why would you want to be governed by that? It breaks my heart. I, I, can, I can let myself be angry and mad at him or realize what's really going on it has nothing to do with President Obama. What's really going on is a nation has turned their back on their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you sow to the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. And the whirlwind is coming. That's what Joel's saying to his nation. The whirlwind's coming. You need to, to lament. Our hearts should break over what's going on around us. Listen to what Joel goes on to say. The grain offering, the drink offering, have been cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn who minister to the Lord. The grain offering, the grain offering and the drink offering were offerings that were given voluntarily. They weren't required. They weren't for sin. It was an attitude of thanksgiving unto the Lord. And literally, that thanksgiving to the Lord is, is ceasing. I, I'm so thankful as Pastor Art was sharing with us in prayers. He prayed that we're thankful for our nation. And we should be thankful. We should never lose sight of the, the, the thankfulness that we ought to have toward God for what He's given us. And indeed, He has given us much. But here in the nation, that, that thanksgiving was gone. I'm reminded of a nation that says, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, so we're not going to have a national day of prayer. I'm not going to call on the name of the Lord anymore. I don't want to offend someone who doesn't believe. Would that we were more worried about offending the God who lives than those who don't believe. But as we look, our hearts, they need to break. That's part of revival. That's part of the work that God wants to do. Listen, he goes on to say, The field is wasted, the land mourns, the grain is ruined, the new wine is dried up, the oil fails. 
Be ashamed, farmers, wail, vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished, the vine is dried up, the fig is withered, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, the apple tree, all the trees of the field are withered away. Surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. See, that's the that's next thing that takes place. I, I turn on the news and I, I see in a, in a nation people that are, are despairing of hope and lost their joy and, and they think that life is all about the accumulation of stuff and when they don't find happiness there, they, they turn to, to suicide or to alcohol or to drugs. Because our help comes from the Lord. Our, our sense of being comes from Him, not from all that other stuff. And here, all that other stuff was gone, and their joy left them. And they despair. He says, gird yourselves and lament, you priests. It's a call to the priesthood. Hey, lament, pray, come before the Lord. Wail, you who minister before the altar. Come, lie all night in sackcloth, you who minister to my God. For the grain offering and the drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. He calls for the priesthood, to, to their hearts to be broken, for them to be in prayer, to be seeking the Lord and asking God to do a work. That's what we're here for. A holy nation. A royal priesthood. To be in that place for our nation, for our country, for our cities, for our friends, for our families, for our neighbors, to lift them up unto the Lord. Verse 14, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Consecrate a fast. He says, make getting right with the Lord more important than your daily bread. The most important thing driving us in the day is that I would be right with the Lord. In a right relationship that I might hear His voice, that I might be directed by Him. That I would consecrate that fast. Not, not the attitude of legalism that says, well, you don't eat all day today and tomorrow and the next day you'll be holy. It doesn't work that way. The attitude is, listen, cut away everything else and stay focused on the Lord. And we can do that in the fast. And God's people should fast. We can seek the Lord's face. He says, call a sacred assembly. Call for God's people to gather together and repent. And we've seen that already this morning. Gather together the elders, the leaders, to come together and recognize that it begins with us. And then moves forward from us to the people. Come into the house of God, to that place where God meets with us. Where we should gather together in the face of God and cry out to the Lord for mercy, for grace, for His hand to guide us through. For the Lord wants to do that work in our lives. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as destruction from the Almighty. Is not the food cut off from before your eyes, joy and gladness from the house of our God? The seed shrivels under the clods. Storehouses are in shambles. Barns are broken down for the grain is withered. How the animals groan. The herds of cattle are restless because they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep suffer punishment. Listen, this is what Joel's saying. Look at how bad this is. Because how bad this is is nothing compared to what's coming. And the day of the Lord. And the period 
known as the tribulation period, the time of Jacob's trouble, the 70th week of Daniel. There are worse times on the horizon than the times we're in now. But the call from Joel is, repent, seek the Lord, be about doing His business until the time that God calls His people home. And until that time, Jesus said, occupy till I come. Occupy. Be about my Father's business. Scripture goes on and says, verse 19, O Lord, to you I cry out. For the fire has devoured the open pastures. The flame has burned all the trees of the field. The beasts of the field cry out to you. For the water brooks are dried up and the fire devours open pastures. And that same fire has devoured some of the open pastures in our lives, hasn't it? And left behind it just the burnt brush. And we look at a pile of ash in our life and we say, How am I going to make anything good out of this? We need to remember the promise of the Lord. Messiah came. To give us beauty for ashes. And he's still about that business today. (coughs) Giving us beauty for ashes. Joel declares, listen, blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm. Hey, things are going on. Man, we need to have our eyes, our focus on the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. He's saying, Joel's saying, listen, I know the locusts are here and things are bad and things don't look so good. But there are worse times further on in the future and we need to wake up and make our lives right. For now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. God never guaranteed us tomorrow. Not a single one of us in this room has a guarantee of tomorrow. So how are you going to spend today? How are we going to spend today? Sound the trumpet. Alert the people. Let them know. In verse 2, a day of darkness and gloominess. A day of clouds and thick darkness like morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come, great and strong, the like of whom has never been seen. Nor will there ever be any such after them. Even for many successive generations, this fire that devours before them, behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but behind them a desolate wilderness. Nothing will escape from them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses of swift steeds. So they run with a noise like chariots over mountaintops. They leap like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble, like the strong people set in battle array. As the locusts would come through, there was this horrific sound as they utterly destroyed everything in their path. A locust can fly for 17 hours straight and eat the whole time it's doing it. I have a teenager... He's not that much different than a locust. (laughs) I haven't seen him fly yet, but he can eat the whole day. As we look at this, this is what he's saying. Hey, the locusts are coming through. This is how they look. It's terrifying. It's scary. It's scary to look at our world and all the things that are going on. But we're not supposed to have our eyes on the world. Where are our eyes supposed to be? Our eyes are supposed to be on the Lord Jesus Christ, listening for the sound of the trumpet, looking for His return. And until that time, busy about doing the things God's calling us to do. Get your eyes off of locusts, off of the fires, and on to Him. In verse 6, he says, Before them a people writhe in pain, all their faces drain to color. They run like mighty men, they climb the wall, (coughs) excuse me, like men 
of war. Even one marches in formation. They do not break ranks. They do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and fro in the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter at the windows like a thief. Again, describing this horde of locusts that blocks out the sun. And everywhere they look, they're just marching, continually coming, destroying everything in their path. The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon grow dark, the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can endure it? And he leaves that question floating out there. As we consider all these horrible things, but look at verse 12, and don't ever forget verse 12 is here. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart. Turn to me. Get your eyes off of all that junk. The Lord told us bad times would come, and they will. But our eyes are not to be on the hard times, the difficult things we go through. Our eyes are to be upon the Lord. Our heart turned toward Him with fasting and weeping and mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments that our heart would be breaking to be in the presence of Almighty God. That's what He's calling for. We can all be religious. We can all be religious. I I don't really like the word religious or religion. And every time somebody says, I'm a religious person, it makes me nervous. I knew a lot of religious people. Religious about football, religious about the things they did, religious drinkers, religious this and that. Was never very good. I want to be all about a relationship. The, the Jewish people, whenever something would, would tear at their hearts, they tear their clothes in this big show. This big show that, oh, that's such a horrible thing you said. Anybody ever remember Sanford and Sons? <laughs> and whenever somebody done something bad, you know, what was her name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth, I'm coming. I'm coming. That was it. They put on this big show about how terrifying or how, or, or, or how terrible something was. But God says, listen, I don't want to see the show. Rend your heart. Rend your heart. Turn to me with your whole heart. Utter complete consecration to the Lord. Focused on exactly what God wants to do and work in our life. Turn to God and away from sin. This is what he's calling for. And that turning to God and away from sin is marked by action and passion. What do I mean? Look, with fasting and weeping. Action, passion. Turning away from sin and toward the Lord. Rend your heart, not your garment. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and He relents from doing harm. When you know when, you're, when your view of God is something other than that, then you're looking at the circumstances around you and not paying attention to the Word of God. For we are not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. The wrath of God is poured out on His Son, and we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He paid the price for you and I to have a right relationship with God. That price was all-encompassing. The price is paid. It is done. It is finished. Paid in full. So when we look and we see all these horrible things, the Lord is saying, no, look to me. Look to me. Keep your eyes on me. When I was coaching football one time, I had a center. We were playing in the state championship game, and my center snapped the ball. When he snapped the ball, a kid across from him stepped on his hand. 
And when he stepped on his hand, his cleat ripped through the meaty part of his hand and it laid his entire hand wide open. You could see everything underneath it. And he come to me and he, he's kind of looking at his hand and, and freaking out. Oh, you know, seeing, you know, there's parts of your body you don't want to see. <laughs> They're supposed to stay covered up. And he's looking at that and looking at that. And I grabbed him by his cheeks and I said, don't look at your hand, look at me. And I just talked to him calm while the doctor was bandaging up his hand and getting him ready to go. And he calmed right down. Isn't that what God does to us? Don't look at that. Don't focus on all that stuff. Look at me. For I am kind and merciful, full of loving kindness. Look at me. Look at me. The world is hard, but God is good every single time. That's what he's saying. Listen, what does a repentant heart look like? What does a repentant heart look like? A repentant heart doesn't, doesn't look around and say, yeah, 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 but he's worse than me. That's not repentance. <laughs> a repentant heart doesn't find excuses. A repentant heart takes responsibility and realizes I'm a part of the problem. And I can also be a part of the solution. The turn of my heart, my eyes toward the Lord. Who knows, in verse 14, if he will turn and relent and give a blessing behind him, a grain offering, a drink offering for the Lord your God. So blow the trumpet in Zion. See, he's going to say the exact same thing again. Consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and the nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord. He's saying, man, you don't, you don't know how God's going to save, how God's going to move. Don't give up. Any dead fish can swim downstream, right? <laughs> Takes a living fish to swim up. Listen, quitting is a habit. Get out of the habit. Anybody can quit. Here he says, don't quit. Who knows what God's going to do? So consecrate a fast. Call an assembly. Pray. Cry out to the Lord and allow God to be your strength, to be your healer, to be the things that you need him to be and trust that he knows what he's doing. And when his will is different than our will, accept it. He's God. He knows what's going on. We don't have to be afraid or apologize for him. We just need to trust him. We just need to put our faith and trust in Him as He does His great and perfect work. He says, this should be your prayer. Spare your people, O God. Do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations would rule over them. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? In verse 18, the Lord will be zealous for His people and pity His people. The Lord will answer and say, behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil. You will be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations, but I will remove far from you the northern army. He's talking again. I'll I, I get rid of that. Trouble always came from the north to, to Israel. I'll remove that northern army. I'll drive them away to the barren wasteland with his face toward the eastern sea and his back toward the western sea. And his stench will come up. The foul odor will rise because he has done monstrous things. So fear not, O Lamb. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. 
Now listen, the people are still standing in a pile of locusts. And he's saying, trust the Lord. Turn toward Him. Allow God to do His work in your heart. Repent. Draw near to Him. For the word is true. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Take a look at verse 25. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament. So I will restore to you the years the swarming locusts have eaten. Now, I love that he says, so I will return to you the years. Is there anybody here who wouldn't like to get some time back? I'd like to get some time back. There's a lot of wasted time in my life. A lot of time where I just sow to the wind and weep the whirlwind, nothing good out of it. But the Lord says, rend your hearts, repent, come to me. I'll give you back the years the locusts ate. I'll give you back a gift that makes up for that lost time. I'll give you back my son. My son who... In his presence, all that trouble just kind of fades out of your mind. And when you look into the eyes of Jesus Christ, you're not worried, you're not afraid, you're not scared. You're just in a place where your relationship is right with him. And the locusts, who cares? Them locusts can't do nothing to me. That God doesn't let them do. And if God lets them do it, it's for my good and his glory. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'll give you back the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust. I'll give it back. I'll pour out my spirit upon you. In the last days, he declares, I'll pour out my spirit upon you. And finally, I just look at verse 32 as we close up today. And it will come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Even in the midst of that locust, whoever calls, it's a broad call. A lot of people say, I wish my name was in the Bible, but if my name, if it said my name here, and it comes to pass that if Jackie calls on the name of the Lord, he'll be saved, I'd be wondering if he was talking about a different Jackie. <laughs> but he said, whosoever. Uh, I can't dismiss that, right? That calls for me. That calls for you. That calls for us. It's a call to prayer. That he who calls on the name of the Lord, no one ever perishes praying, crying out for salvation from the Lord. No one ever perishes crying out for salvation from the Lord. It's a call to come to the true God. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The name is all about His character, His nature, who He is. Where do we find those things? In the Word of God. And the more I know about God's wisdom, the easier it is to trust in Him. The more I know about God's strength, the easier it is to believe. The more I know about the work that God does, the easier I can trust. God is going to do His perfect work. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance as the Lord has said among the remnant who the Lord calls there shall be deliverance look around in our nation 
There shall be deliverance. It will not always be this way. But who knows what God will do if His people who are called by His name will humble themselves and pray. Who knows what God will do for whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we do thank you for an opportunity to come before you in worship, united as a body of Christ from many different churches, Lord God, but gathered under one roof to call upon your name, to know, Lord God, that it is you who raises up nations. It is you who develops kingdoms. And you built this nation as we trusted you. And Lord God, we lift this nation to you and we pray as we, your people, humble ourselves, as we cry out in repentance, as we seek revival, heal our land. And let us know that healing will begin with us. For while we look at the world and we say, God, this world is in need of judgment, never, Father, allow us to forget that judgment begins in the house of God. So, Lord, let us rend our hearts. Let us repent. Let us be renewed. Let us turn to you and believe and trust and know that you are doing a work among your people today. And it is time for us to wake up. Lord, we pray that you would move in a mighty way in our city, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our state, in our nation. May your people, may it never be said that we gave up, that we quit. May it be said we put our eyes on Jesus and we soldiered through. We put our trust in you. We did the next right thing. We trusted and believed and called upon your name and affected the world around us by the love of Jesus Christ that is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So do a work, God. For we, though many churches are your people, and we love you, And we love our nation. We love our families. And some of us are hurting. The the locusts have been through. Today's a day to get our eyes off the locusts and keep our eyes on you. And though the storm may blow, we like Peter will walk on the water. Though, Though life may seem out of sorts, God, you are the one knows where all the pieces fit. So we pray. Give unto us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. 
Pour out your spirit upon your church and be glorified in us as we trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to close in worship. We invite you to hang out and worship with us. We've also asked if the prayer counselors could be around the room and any of the pastors from the visiting churches that are part of the union worship service, if you would, if you're willing, place yourself around the room. If anybody here has anything that they'd like to pray about, please just come forward, find someone to pray with. They they are here for you uh, to just intercede with you and for you. And as you go from this place, may God richly bless you. Thank you.